0: Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe, your host here every week. Here, we bring you tips, education, and updates on home-related matters. Whether you are in the real estate market or if you're just looking for decorating or improvement ideas for your home, this is a great place for you to be. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners. Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections, with Pierre Bove. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole home show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. As you guys all know, it's been my pleasure being your host here every week. I've been selling real estate here in greater Victoria since 1991. I've handled hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of transactions here and our fair city. I love it here. I was born and raised here. And for anyone who has recently relocated or moved here, you know what I mean. This is such a beautiful place. I'm proud to be ranked as one of the top producing REMAX agents in Western Canada. I'd be pleased to help you as well too. If you are looking for a second opinion, want to have a chat about your real estate needs, you can give me a call or the rest of the whole home show team members by visiting cfax1070.com look under shows there you'll find us the whole home show with me tony joe all of our contact information is there or of course you can reach out to us just google me google tony joe or the whole home show you'll find my contact information and i know many of you do because i love hearing from our loyal cfax listeners every single week this week we have a friend actually good friend of mine. Our guest this week is someone who is heavily involved in the real estate industry. You know, we normally start our program by going through things that are happening out there in the marketplace, questions that you have or bring up to me on a regular basis, I do have a couple that I want to bring up. Because we have our guest here on the program today, I'm going to jump right into it. And I have to say, folks, this is a little bit interesting because, uh, as you know, we have been pre-recording this uh, program and normally we do it by, you know, recording program by Zoom and the guests and myself are in two different places. But today we are in the same place because he's a guest here. In my house presently, although he's not sitting beside me, he is in a different room, but this is the joys of technology nowadays. I want to introduce you all to Cameron Soria-Sue.
1: Cameron, uh, thanks for joining us today on The Whole Home Show. Thank you, Tony. Uh, I'm excited to be here. To be fair when yep. I came, I didn't know that I was going to be doing this. When I showed up today. <laughs> well, I, you know what we, we had you in our brokerage
0: earlier today for some advanced sales training. And it occurred to me, I'm like, my goodness, our listeners need to hear what you have to say. Um, I, I just want to give uh, an introduction here and you know who you are. And, you were licensed so you've been in the real estate business for quite some time over 12 years now uh, that i recall you were licensed you have sold you've been one of us for a very long time uh you have moved into management at a real estate brokerage a big real estate brokerage in the lower mainland uh, you've been a, a trainer you have been someone that the real estate community knows pretty well you are you know a bit of a a, a celebrity in the lower mainland but the thing that i always enjoy joy is the fact that you are a student you are a student not only of real estate you're a student of economics you're a student of numbers and i think there's a lot that you can share with our listeners today so uh gee big shoes to fill as they say
1: cameron or uh <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best even though i'm just a little guy okay okay <laughs> all right uh... we're going to we're going to start with this
0: you and i had a conversation earlier and the conversation is do interest rates affect market values?
1: Okay, so now this is right in my wheelhouse, and I, for the last little while, have been studying uh, a lot of interest rate, a lot of interest rate research. Um, so rather than than kind of just give you the direct answer, uh, what, how we came to this conclusion, we went all the way back, to May of of 2006, which is as far back as we could find our data. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we did is we took the Bank of Canada rate, the five-year fixed rate, the five-year fixed discounted rate, and we charted those out month over month from May 2006 to about a couple months ago. We then put next to it all of the total inventory for Metro Vancouver, so Uh, total inventory counts, what new listings were coming on and what sold month over month over month. And then we compared all the different property types, uh, detached homes, townhouses, condos, and we uh, measured whether the interest rates on a three, four or five month delay affected the price, whether there was a corresponding price change three, four or five months later. And what we're trying to do is test the common wisdom So the common wisdom is, if interest rates go up, prices should go down. Mm -hmm. Or similarly, if interest rates go down, prices should go up. And I'm just grabbing sort of the first run of data here. And what we found was in direct correlation to the Bank of Canada rate. So now I'm looking at, at the sort of total analysis, how many times the wisdom proved true versus how many times the wisdom proved false. Charting all the changes in the Bank of Canada rate from 2006 all the way to 2023, the wisdom was falsified 182 times on average on a three-month delay, a four-month delay, and a five-month delay, which was weird. Okay. 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 So, so I just want to step it back
0: a moment because this is the thing we've got. We've had, what is it, eight or nine interest rate hikes in the past year. Uh, the Bank of Canada, of course, uh, typically does this to battle inflation. They don't want uh, mm-hmm. prices to be, you know, run away uh, as A result of increasing interest rates people get pushed out of their affordability and as a result the the general consensus or the general feeling with buyers is okay when rates go up prices got to start coming down so at some point I'm going to be able to buy but what you're telling us right now is
1: in your study with all these data points that has not necessarily been true that has not necessarily been true not with the Bank of Canada rate Uh When you get into the uh, five-year fixed posted rates, which is sort of what they, you know, they don't advertise to incentivize you, but the one that they're going to renew you at. And when you get into the advertised rate, you see that this holds true about 50% of the time. So we're charting about 200 months worth of data. Uh And so we saw about 99 to 103 or so for the five-year fixed posted and the five-year fixed discounted. All
0: right. Um, so, so what message does this give that les- that listeners need to
1: know? If I was to say this, I would say that interest rates do not necessarily affect prices. What does tend to affect prices much more accurately is uh, inventory levels.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. We have been talking about this for years. The real estate industry has been talking about this for years. And for the longest time, uh, the government, who who has recently changed its tone, by the way, because the provincial government has uh, added all of these requirements for municipalities to hit housing targets. But until then, it's been more uh, trying to Uh, Control demand. And that was by placing on things like the um, uh, vacancy tax, the foreign buyer tax, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And it hasn't changed the demand, right? So, uh, very interesting,
1: Cameron. Very interesting. So, there was a a study that I saw done. It was a a little bit more on the casual side by an agent. I wish I could remember the gentleman's name. But he did look at the first implementation of the foreign buyer tax because that got implemented in a very busy market, yeah. and it turned out it had a one month six percent decline in sales numbers. Okay, it did not actually affect pricing. Ah. and which after is that well, which is which, is
0: which is interesting because the whole intent was to uh, curb price increases, and of course, since that initial uh, foreign buyer tax implementation, prices are you know we we had the doubling effect.
1: In that timeline. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and here was, here's the wild thing. I would say this if we really wanted to uh, make policy and I don't know what the policy would be, but if we wanted to make a policy to affect housing prices, we would need more incentives for homeowners to list. To get the properties out there in the market. To get the properties on the market. The issue, to a certain extent, I want to say, yes, it's not just a supply issue in the sense of we're going to build supply. And if we just build enough homes, everything will be fine. Well, but it's not about building. Although, yes, that is a very rational way to go about it. It's about the inventory that is available to buy right now
0: okay hey listen hold that thought because we need to uh make a break here take a break we have uh as our guest today cameron Sorisu. cameron is a consultant uh, very active in the real estate uh, industry in the lower mainland uh we're going to a great place here so we'll be back in just a moment you're listening to the whole home show with tony joe on cfax 1070 Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. My guest today is a friend of mine, somebody who's very active in the real estate industry in the Lower Mainland. Uh, Just before the break, he was talking about a study that he did did comparing interest rate increases to prices, and we found out just before the break that just because interest rates go up does not mean that prices go down. Uh, It's Cameron Sorriso. Cameron, uh, thanks for joining us again.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a and, lot of
0: fun. By, and, and by the way, I want to give our listeners just a little tidbit about what we're going to be talking about on our last segment today. And it has to do with a model uh, that you have been working on, which is a different way to sell real
1: estate. Absolutely. Actually, I'm excited to talk about that as a project. It's it has been a brainchild of mine that I've been researching and developing for a couple of years now. So, okay,
0: let's when, give I let's give our idea. listeners a little tidbit so they know to listen on until the end of this program. So, what is what's the uh, what's the elevator speech for what we're going to talk about later?
1: Uh, what would you say if you could list your home commission free? Ooh,
0: interesting.
1: I, I I
0: this is recorded, but I could even hear ears perked by our listeners. You know, when this goes live a little later, um, go again. What did you say?
1: I just what what would you say if you could list your home commission free? Oh, it, so have somebody work for you, do all the exact same work that they would do if you were paying them commission, yeah. uh, and instead there is no commission paid to that person.
0: Oh, by the way, I need to remind our listeners, you are not a realtor. You're not a licensed realtor, right? Um, so you're not speaking on behalf of the industry or any of that kind of stuff, but this is a project that you're working on, right?
1: I'm not. No, that is correct. I'm not a licensed realtor. You were. Uh, I, you were. I, I was. Yep. I was. Yeah. Uh, I still, I'm still active in and around the industry. But the, the important part about this is it puts me in a kind of interesting position, Tony, because there are... Rules and regulations about being a realtor and and compliance and conduct, um, and s- s- some of which are in place for very good reason. I'm a big supporter of 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 compliance and regulations. It's a good mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. Uh, but the other part is sometimes to be able to have a critical look. You need to step outside, and now we can begin to look at the culture from a different angle when we step outside okay. of that.
0: Okay, so listen, that's that's our little taster. That's for our you, our <laughs> listeners. I'm sorry, you're going to have to listen to the end of the program because we're going to cover this. This is going to be very interesting. We're having a conversation with Cameron uh, soria you Cameron, uh, again, we chatted before the break about uh, a study that you did where you've discovered that with data points, just because interest rates go up does not mean prices are going down. Uh, And I agree with that as well, too, because we've seen this for the past few years, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The next question that I have for you, and again, we chatted about this a little bit earlier today, uh, and that is about pricing. We talked about um, uh, market value, and
1: um, where were we in that conversation there? Uh, It was the market value or pricing strategy. Yes. And... You know, very simple. Market value is something that we can be actually fairly accurate to predict within a given time frame. And and you know this when when you uh, you know do a CMA and you're trying a to figure out comparative market analysis. Yeah, a comparative yeah. market analysis. Yeah, you're looking at all the other sales in a neighborhood to give somebody an accurate price point. Mm-hmm. I would venture a guess that with your kind of experience, Tony, you're probably accurate within like one percent. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the data is there and it's it's very clear. The challenge is, is that is the value of the home. That's not necessarily the best pricing strategy when it comes to selling a home. Mm-hmm. So you you see kind of three strategies. Um, you know, the, the most unsuccessful strategy is I I think of it as a fear-driven strategy. That's just in my head, but it's the I better ask a hundred grand more so I've got room to negotiate. And maybe you know i'll I'll negotiate and and yeah, I come down fifty grand, but I come out a little bit ahead and it's a bit of a win or or,
0: or I'll get that lower that lower mainland buyer who's got tons of money who will come and pay me more than my house is worth. Yes, right that's Be- okay. beca- because I need that extra money because I am moving into another place. That's what we hear all the time,
1: right? So we hear the same thing over in the Metro Vancouver area, but okay. it's now not the, it's now it's the, the foreign buyer. Okay. okay. Who's got more okay. money than they know what to do with.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. So, th- so that you're saying that that is one pricing method that, um that is not without its risks, right?
1: You know what? I, I would, I think it would be false for me to say it never works, yep. but I think if you were to chart the number of times it works versus the number of times it fails, Mm-hmm it's not the greatest approach to getting. If you really want to sell your home, it's not the greatest way to do it. Yes. The second pricing strategy I see is somewhere around the one, and if you're really going to push it, 3% above market value. Now we're not way out. We should be able to attract somebody in that time, and we get a little bit of room to negotiate, but not much. And what you're hoping to arrive at is a reasonably fair price. And more often than not, I think it works, and I think the majority of sales happen on that basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we've seen, I think, since COVID, is the is the rampant underpricing strategy. Now, well, some yeah, of that actually so be- by be- demand
0: before you get there. I mean, one to three percent. I mean, what are we talking there on a million dollar property? That's a million ten or a million thirty. So it's not it's not a yeah. big number, right? No. Oh yeah,
1: okay. and and that's a that's a little that's a mindset shift too, yep. because we tend to think, oh, if my my agent or if I'm a really strong negotiator, I, I'll get an extra hundred grand. Well, no, that's a lot of money on a million dollars. That's that's ten yeah. percent. That's that's huge. Yes. very unlikely. Mm-hmm. You know what? You can negotiate somewhere in the neighborhood of ten to thirty. Mm-hmm. And you can do that fairly strongly without losing too much of your negotiating position or your negotiating power in that.
0: Yeah. Actually, you know what? I want to bring something. I want to bring something up here in this conversation. I didn't think we'd, we'd be going down this route here, but just talking about the negotiation in general, it's kind of interesting because sometimes consumers uh, have the mindset, and maybe because agents kind of put this in their mind as well too. I can negotiate more and grab you more money from this particular buyer. And you need to really think about, all right, well, where does that money come from? Because if you're expecting another $100,000 from this buyer, really it's more an act of charity or there needs to be something that the buyer gets in return. And that's what negotiation is all about because it's mm-hmm. not just the extra money you're getting it's okay i'm going to give a concession on dates or i'm going to give concession on conditions or i'm going to give concession on some other things it's give and take and i always do find this interesting when there's that mindset of i'm a killer negotiator in a so one-way streak but really one-way street is a streak or street i think it's street right street, anyway yeah. street okay um i bring that up because i had a listener correct me on one of my phrases you know hey i'm just like anyone else not an english major sometimes you know you get them wrong but anyways there we go um <laughs> it's not a one-way street it it is give and take what are you giving in order to get what you're looking for
1: right 100 yeah. you know my other thought process to that is if you are going to take credit for all of your wins i want you to also so take responsibility for all of your losses. Mm. <laughs> Interesting.
0: Of course, right? Right. Yeah, and so, that, that is the—that is true as well of these F, uh, CIA hostage negotiators, right?
1: Yeah. 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 Um,
0: anyway. Okay. It, it, anyways, <laughs> negotiation and, and and again, it's it's so funny. It's the it's the whole. Because uh, I've bumped into a few agents recently. It's, I'm a killer negotiator. I will, you know, make this work. Sometimes deals don't work because you are too far apart or the values between the seller and the buyer, as far as personal values, are not in alignment. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and absolutely. And I think you got to come back to that question of are, are we meeting our, our, fancy word our fiduciary responsibilities are we putting their needs ahead of our ego to win yeah and that i mean forget about real estate that's a challenging thing to do in any situation personal or professional Mm -hmm. but that's what we're called upon to do and in the highest callings of our profession is to genuinely put the needs of other people ahead of our own
0: Mm. this is the reason why people don't buy and sell real estate online without agents right anyways uh listen we're having a great conversation with cameron sorry sue cameron uh, is a consultant from the lower mainland happens to be a guest in my home right now which is the reason why we're having our uh, zoom meeting here and um we are going to be taking a break here and we'll be back to have more conversation on great topics regarding real estate back in just a moment now, the Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills, and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais and Remax Island Properties with offices in Victoria, Duncan, and Mill Bay. If you are interested in chatting with any of our show partners or sponsors, you're looking to have a conversation about real estate, whether you need a billing inspection or looking for legal help, or if you are needing a mortgage, or if you're a real estate agent looking for a change in office or maybe a change in career altogether give any of the show partners and sponsors a call again you can find their contact information by visiting cfax1070.com looking under shows and finding us the whole home show with me tony joe or you can always just google me happy to introduce you to any of our partners there's a reminder too by the way if you're a podcast listener you can download all 300 of our episodes six years worth by going to itunes or google and you can listen at your heart's content Uh, we've got so much great content so many great guests over the years maybe uh, there was something that you heard years ago that wasn't relevant to you at the moment but it might be right now you'll be able to search and find things that will help you out and we can connect you with those people that can give you assistance we're having a conversation today with Cameron Sorius who Cameron is uh in the real estate industry. He's not a realtor. He was a number of years ago. He has been a trainer and a, a, trainer and a mentor, and he has uh, been a real estate consultant as well, very active in the industry. He's a friend of mine, and he happens to be visiting me right now, which is the reason why we're under the same roof for once, although we're recording this. Uh, Cameron, again, thanks for joining us.
1: Anytime, anytime. And have- anything you need, Tony, I'll help out.
0: I and I know that you do and one of the reasons why you're here in town as I mentioned a little bit earlier is you came and provided a fantastic training session to our office up in Duncan earlier today so we did a drive up the Malahat uh, and all of our uh, uh, associates and our brokers were so happy and and uh, you know uh, it's always great having you here so thank you Cameron
1: anytime anytime
0: Okay, we were having a chat before the break about pricing. We were having a chat about negotiation and you were talking about three models, although I think we only got to two of them. So the first was pricing Oh, and adding a cushion, which uh, sometimes in markets does not work because when you add that cushion, you're actually overpricing your home and you're putting yourself in a position where maybe you're competing with superior homes at the same price point. You know, and something that we didn't bring up is by overpricing sometimes what ends up happening is you just end up making the other houses look better. Because people are looking at the houses at the same price point. And they go, this one over here is great. This one feels like a 1.3. What's with this one here? They want 1.3 as well. It's got a smaller lot. doesn't have updates. is missing rooms or whatever. So overpricing has the risk of making your competition appear better. Now, the other one that you mentioned was pricing a little tighter. So pricing 1% to 3% from market value. So not too high, right?
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Great. Uh and then there's a third model.
1: Underpricing. Ah. Oh. Oh. Can you underprice a home? What happens if we if we go too low? Won't we just get lowballed and people will think it's terrible? And the answer seems to be and I think you've seen this in the Victoria marketplace. We've certainly seen this in Metro Vancouver. When you price a home a you know well below market value, you generate a bid. And we saw a ton of that happening uh, in COVID. We've seen that continue to happen now in the market, even though the market's slower, it's not slow, but we still see a lot of bidding happening. Um, more recently, when I get into like individual property pricing, I, I tend to see the, these later two strat- latter two strategies work more effectively. Mm-hmm. If you're in that 1% to 3% range, or even possibly even 1% to 3% low, that's not super low ball. You know, we're still in a very tight negotiating range. You, you may find that you're going to generate a bid anyway, or you'll sell the home in about 30-ish days, and it'll sell pretty close to what you ask for, mm-hmm. give or take a little bit. Uh, the funny thing is if I price that same $1.3 million home, you know, and I price it now, and I'm pricing it way down at like nine ninety nine. million, What I'm hoping to do is generate huge activity, huge opportunity. And when people find out, there's nothing wrong with it because it's just a decent home that I've lived in for 10 years. Then I'll get, well, I'll give you one, one. Somebody gives me one, two. Somebody gives me one, three. And that feeding frenzy kicks in. And now I'm trying to get one, three, three, one, three, five, one, three, eight, one, four. And I'm trying to, to manipulate the market to create demand and let emotions take over rationality mm. uh, i know in our market area we've seen that but we haven't seen anything kind of blow by and way outperform without a, a couple of minor exceptions always
0: the difficulty with that method of course is what you've done if you've priced at 999 to try to get one three or one four, the the problem that we find and this is just us representing buyers you're going to get a lot of buyers that bump into this property and go hey I might have the chance to buy this house for nine ninety nine, and that's my mm-hmm. that's my price limit. That's as much as I can pay. Um, and what and it's not like the seller would ever have considered that price. They did this intentionally to try to drive up the price with multiple offers. And for me, that buyer who's maxed out at nine ninety nine, I'm jumping in. I'm just another offer. I'm just another number. I'm one out of whatever, 15 or 20 offers or whatever it is, I never stood a chance. And the unfortunate thing is, as the buyer, um, I live in hope that maybe, maybe the owner will uh, um, uh, consider my offer. And especially if I send in one of those nice letters. (laughs) Right? one of those nice letters yep. that says I'm a nice family, I'm not a foreign buyer, I'm not gonna flip your home I'm gonna take you know I'm gonna uh, uh, create my own memories and all there's they're cute letters right oh, yeah. um, how what do you feel about
1: those on the letters uh, I think whether you're in the running or not you know when, when I would approach this or when I coach agents to say, hey, why would you want to have fewer advantages in the competition yes. It might not be the advantage that kicks you over and wins mm-hmm. in you know, when I'm competing against somebody that's two or three hundred thousand dollars more than me. But if I am competing and somebody's only five, ten or fifteen thousand dollars more than me, I might get it, but more importantly, I might get a second chance to rebid.
0: Yeah. okay,
1: And that's powerful.
0: So it's a tool, but uh, but I hear what you're saying though, because sometimes people think that the letter would be the advantage over a hundred grand or 200 grand. And let's face it, uh, sellers generally, they're not reading the letter, they're reading the price.
1: They do, for sure they, they read the price. But just like anybody, I can be motivated by price independent of how other things make me feel.
0: Okay, so in other <laughs> words, you might dislike the buyer immensely, but if he's got a bigger
1: check, Well, maybe you're okay with that. An unconditional free check. You know, money is green. It has no borders and it It has no color. There's no bias. But give me that signed, sealed, delivered, unconditional offer that's you know, way over my asking price or way over my standard market value. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you might be a really not a very nice person, but that seems to get forgotten <laughs> as I'm counting zeros.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, well, so there we are. We're having a conversation about pricing and pricing strategies. And, um, you know, it is it, your last one about underpricing. Of course, the difficulty is if you're pricing at nine ninety nine and you're hoping to get one, three. if you don't get the offers, you don't get the multiples, and you don't, because we've seen that, I've seen this in Toronto, where in that particular case, they get offers, but it tops out at $1.1. The seller doesn't want that. They never intended to take anything less than $1.3. Then what ends up happening is they set, they send all the offers back, they take the property off the market and then they relist it from 999 up to Mm 1.3 because if they don't do that, they're stuck with an underpriced listing. Mm -hmm. Right. And and folks, by the way, depending on what's in the listing agreement, sometimes there is an obligation that um, you must sell the property if it is the price and terms that is in the listing agreement. Right. So this is a very important thing to consider, but yeah, pricing very, very, uh, very, very tricky. Right, Cameron?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think whoa, it whoa, comes whoa, back. Whoa,
0: hold, hold on a second. Unfortunately, we got to take our last break for the day. And I do want to uh, pick up on, the, I think you're going to be bringing up a great point. But as a reminder, folks, after this last break, we're going to be talking about what happens if you can sell your house without paying a commission. Right, Cameron? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's our taster. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Having a conversation with our guest, Cameron Soyasu. Cameron is from the Lower Mainland, uh, 12 years in the real estate industry, both as a realtor selling and gaining a ton of experience, also as a mentor and a trainer and a recruiter uh, for a very large real estate company in the Lower Mainland. Plus, he's an, a consultant and very much a student of the real estate industry. Again, thanks for joining us, Cameron. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry I had to cut you off before the break there because we had to break into our break. We were having a conversation about pricing and about uh, three levels of pricing: either having a cushion, pricing it right, or underpricing, pri- underpricing with the hope of having having multiple offers. But then I had to cut you off because we were having our break.
1: No problem. I think the I think the interesting thing we were going to come back to is. Whatever, whatever it comes down to, pricing your home, listing your home, there is an element of risk involved, mm-hmm. and and the risk, the risk is always, hey, it might not sell, right? And however we appro- approach that risk, we we want to take a market responsive approach. In twenty twenty one, listing a home when the market was moving like mad, and I mean we had in some cases. People are going, oh, we have three hours worth of inventory. And yeah, then we yeah. need new listings. Yes, And that's how fast the rate of sale was. Compare that to 2011 or 2012. And you had people going, we have six to 12 months worth of inventory. If you list your home for less than 12 months, it might not sell at all. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's, that's the risk that we take on as as somebody going to sell a home whether we're an agent or a homeowner it's the same risk uh, we share it in different ways we we you know some the agents are buying marketing homeowners are hoping that the pricing works out but we we have to meet that risk head on and intelligently and that does take studying markets on a regular basis looking at what the rates of sale are um having a little on the ground you know boots on the experience going no things are kind of turning around right now being involved in a really busy office that's got lots of business gives you a kind of anecdotal or or story kind of what's happening out there and and you can be two or three weeks looking into the winds of change kind of having a prediction now everything's stable oh hey things are turning around and that makes a big difference
0: you know that's a great point I, and and that's another example of the value of experience in in your your real estate uh, professional right somebody who's been around and who has seen the winds of change and mm-hmm. you know not necessarily being reactive uh, i know cuz you know people come to me every day and they're looking for advice and direction from someone who's been around for 20 30 years right um it's not to say we've got a crystal ball that's not to say that we can, you know, foresee exactly what's going to happen. Uh, but my goodness, it sure does make a difference uh, when it's just guesswork,
1: uh, comparing to just guesswork, right? Mm-hmm. Makes a big difference. But the day that somebody has a crystal ball and they, yeah. they're they a realtor is the day I say, well, you're in the wrong profession. You should be buying and selling because you know exactly when yes. to buy and exactly yeah. when to exactly. sell. Exactly, exactly, uh. exactly.
0: Um, Okay. I am very excited about this, and I'm not—I'm not even sure where to start. But I promised our listeners that we were going to introduce them into this uh, new project that you're working on. So let's hear from it. Our last ten minutes here, we want to hear all about this.
1: Well, let Let's start at the beginning and where this idea started to come from. And it it came from me taking a more active role in mentoring newer agents and then even some surprisingly experienced agents. And I got into Looking at agent performance data, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit frightening when you figure out that, you know, in in Metro Vancouver, sort of Vancouver board and Fraser Valley board, there's about 20,000 realtors right now. Mm -hmm. And and I say about because that number changes a little bit every day. (laughs) When we were looking at that data and you start to break it out in the top 10%, the average income is high. Now, I'm not saying that these people didn't earn it. But they earn an average in Metro Vancouver three hundred and seventy two thousand, mm-hmm. and now those are by and large experienced agents who've built good practices or new agents who are really great at promoting themselves, and they have earned every dollar. I don't want to take anything away from those accomplishments. You know they they're entrepreneurial in spirit, they're hardworking, and by and large they care about their clients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get this other group. 18,000 realtors in the bottom 90%. And when you average their income, it's under Mm 30,000. By
0: the way, when you're talking about income, you're not factoring in expenses. So the cost Mm -hmm. of actually having the business, right? Not at all. Yeah. So even if you're talking about an average of $30,000, knowing what it costs to run a business, it can often exceed that amount. So I think sometimes it could cost people to have their license as opposed to actually earning money. Right, and Mm -hmm. you—you also just quoted, you know, the top ten percent at three hundred seventy-two thousand dollars. I know, folks, listeners, that sounds like a lot of money, but again, that's gross. That's not net. That doesn't counter. That doesn't uh, factor in the cost to actually run the business and all those things. But, anyways, I'm sorry, we're talking thirty thousand dollars for the ninety percent population.
1: Yeah, average. Yeah, average. And what I found interesting is having worked in with a lot of those that ninety percent. There's a huge group of people who are technically savvy. They know the laws, the rules, the regulations. Given the chance, they're good negotiators. You know, They'll work hard for a client. They'll sacrifice. They put in the time, energy, and effort. They're everything you'd want from a good agent. Where they fall down oftentimes is self-promotion. And the funny part is if I'm a great self-promoter, I can become a good agent through experience. I might not have been one. Yes, But there's a lot of people who come and they're not great self promoters and they never, they never, but they're good technicians Mm -hmm. and they struggle to, to get to a point. Well, what if we could work something out where rather than say they have to do this, we could work out a system whereby a client could hire one of those agents, be connected to one of those agents. Who's a good technician, who we know will do good work, who's demonstrated some success uh, and is up-to-date on all the comings and goings of the current industry, and we want to pay them for the time they work instead of purely a result. Because mm-hmm.
0: and- t- typically, agents get paid on uh, based on a percentage of the sale, and it's the result, as you're talking about.
1: Absolutely. Okay. And one of the really important things that I, we – I guessed at was we need to transfer risk, mm-hmm. so agents bear the marketing risk of the property. We we're just talking about pricing. Mm-hmm. Does it get priced well? Does it get marketed well? Uh, and I think you can speak to this probably better than I can, which is the difficulty of pricing conversations and and helping people to to come to a a reasonable price point. And there's a lot of agents who will you know they call it buying the listing or they'll agree to whatever the seller says because they they're hoping that it works out. Uh, because they're in a, a place of, of need and they they struggle to meet their responsibility or in some cases to, to walk away from a situation. Mm-hmm. So right, well, what if we could have sellers assume the risk of sale? Because at some level, they're going to hold the risk of sale fundamentally in their lives. Right? No matter what. I own it. My, my life plans are, are dependent on moving away from this property into wherever I want to go to. So I, I always have the risk of sale. Agents have the risk of marketing. Well, what if we said, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you take the risk of marketing, and then rather than pay your agent for the outcome, pay the agent who represents you for the time that they work. Mm-hmm. So we put together a little administrative service first. Uh, where we're doing basic administration, but more importantly, that administration assists that agent in tracking their time, their output activities, everything that they do, and assists that realtor through a file. A client can come to this network of agents, and <clears throat> what we do is uh, they will prepay; they'll buy the marketing plan, and just like you'd hire a lawyer, you you put them on, on a retainer. retainer. Yep. Yep. And when that retainer draws down. Uh, we have three outcomes for that. Hey, your home sold and everything worked out great. High five. Two, uh, you have an outcome where your retainer is used up and the home hasn't sold yet. Well, what do we do? We say, okay, no problem. Is it something where you only need two or three more hours to kind of kick it, the ball over the, over the goal line? Great. Buy another small hours package, kick the ball over the goal line, and you're done. You, the client, have saved a bunch of money. Uh, the third option is you're at the end of your retainer and you go, gee, my home hasn't sold, now what? Well, again, three options. You can buy more time if you think you're there. You can, uh, but here's the other one. You can stop deciding to sell your home. Hey, the market's not going to give me what I want. Or, and this is what we did, is we included in this structure the right for that client to convert to a commission. Hmm. So for the homeowner, if anything ever doesn't feel right, they can say to the realtor, hey, I'm done. I want to work on a commission basis with you. And all the realtors on the, on the system agree that no problem. If I'm going to charge you, you know, in Metro Vancouver area, detached homes 1.8 million, I'm charging you 27,000 just on the listing side. Mm-hmm. Great. We've used $7,000 in retainer amounts. Good. The 27,000 I would normally charge you is going to be less the seven. So mm-hmm. I'm only going to get 20. And now you've got my time on a commission basis so the the seller ideally will never pay more than they otherwise would have to hire that person. Okay.
0: So by the way, I, I forgot to uh, do the preamble here, which is to make sure listeners know you are not a licensed realtor. This is not a brokerage. You are not, uh, um, you said at the very beginning, it's kind of interesting because it enables you to sort of work on different plans kind of outside this. Um, but it does require the help of an agent. And as you've said, um, you will have a, a, um, a group of agents to choose from should somebody want to uh, uh, try this out. I, by the way, have been a very firm believer that consumers should have choice. I love choice as a consumer in everything right? And uh, this is a very interesting, interesting model. Um, is there a place where people can learn more about it? Where are you at right now in uh, in this whole plan?
1: You know, the, the simplest thing is is uh, follow us, uh, follow me on social media, yep. you know, Instagram at Cameron.tsue. Uh, there's the easiest way to do it. Just look me up. I'm a little tricky to find my last name. Don't though. worry, I'm going to um, put your, I'll put your contact okay. information
0: on the CFAX uh, page, yeah.
1: Great. Just pop up a link to my social media and and start to learn about it there. And, and you can message me through those platforms too. Yeah. I'm pretty good about chatting back to people. Uh, but yeah, our, our hope is to actually build that opportunity, both for consumers, but also for realtors who yeah. want to utilize that infrastructure. And go, Maybe I want to try this in my business independently and to help them work with that infrastructure and, and utilize that service as well.
0: Fantastic. Well, hey, listen, Cameron, thanks for coming and joining us. That was just a little tidbit for our listeners. And folks, if you're curious about this, you want to learn a little bit more. Uh, again, I'll have the I'll have Cameron's contact information on the CFAX uh, webpage. Or if you're listening to this on podcast, I'll have it on the podcast information. Um, or you can always reach out to me because I'm happy to connect you. Cameron, thanks for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. This was a blast. Uh, thanks for hosting me. <laughs> Both on the show and in your home, Tony.
0: But yeah, you've and at our office earlier today. It's good to have you.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: We're, yeah, and to the rest of our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.